And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Tower 2 at Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in with ESPN, Sirius XM, and of course the Schick and Nick Show. Matt Schick with us at ESPN underscore Schick. Schick, how was the Super Bowl experience at your house? Yeah, it was interesting. Um, you know, I'm a Bills fan. My eight-year-old son is a Chiefs fan because he's you know, a bandwagoner. I mean, he's kind of grown up with Mahomes. And so all he knows is winning. And so he was cheering for the Chiefs. And I had a, I had some side action on 49ers. So it wasn't a great night overall. But, um, you know, it is what it is. We had fun, though. Mom cooked, uh, my wife cooked a lot of good food. And we enjoyed the game. And uh, my pocketbook was lighter, and uh, Beckett's heart was full. So I guess that's what really matters, right? Well, you know, and there's this go against, you know, the heart versus the head bet, right? So uh, in our family, I had a couple of uh, loved ones that <laughs> they would every, every uh, Thanksgiving, they'd, they'd lay heat on OU. And if Nebraska won, then it was. It was okay. It's like they were they were paying for the win, but uh, that, that's <laughs> then sometimes it was it was great. Uh, Nebraska uh, figure out a way to this is weird to even utter on the air. Uh, lose at the end with some sooner magic, yeah. and 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 you'd win. So I guess that was the uh, that's what yeah. that's, that's what the beer money was for, right? Yeah, it's kind of like having fantasy players that are competing against your favorite team. Mm-hmm. Right, it's like, well, you know, if my fantasy team wins, it's great. If they don't play well, that means my my favorite team wins. So, yeah, it's kind of just want to be able. It's like hedging, the emotional hedging of your. <laughs> Did you uh, threaten uh, the the Chiefs fan with uh, going to bed? I mean, it was a school night, and it did go overtime. Well, I did when it, he started to like bemoan the fact that the Chiefs couldn't get any drives going in the first half. They started to whine. Like, you know, it was a four-quarter game, right? You know, you've got 15 at quarterback. Like, I don't try to explain, you know, the, how games are long and how games are not won or lost in the second quarter is tough for, a, for an eight-year-old to understand. But, um, yeah, it was – we knew they were staying up, and we knew that – I mean, East Coast time's just terrible. The game's over at 10.30 – so we understood, like, hey, you're probably going to sleep in tomorrow and let you go into school a little bit later, which they did. And people say, oh, that's kind of lazy parenting. And hey, you know what? I'd rather them go into school late, uh, vibrant and behaving, than get there all grouchy. <laughs> that's really a pain in the butt for the teachers, who many of them don't want to be there anyway. So let's be honest. Matt Schick with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, Matt, you mentioned something I, I want to get your take on, not sports-related, but you said Eastern yeah. time sucks. I have friends in all four time zones. I'm a firm believer in central time supremacy. Are, are you in the same boat? Um, yeah, I, I actually – I will go toward Mountain. I've lived in Mountain, and Mountain for NFL Sundays is perfect. Like NFL Sundays in the mountain time zone, games are on at 11 and 2. It's perfect. West Coast is bad. Pacific's way too early, and then, you know, taking a trip to Hawaii, and you don't even know what country you're in at that point. But, uh, but Central's fine. The good thing about Central is that whether it's tape programming or live programming, you don't have to do any math. 
Like you're seeing it at, at, at the right time. <laughs> Whereas Mountain Time, it's still playing at, you know, it's like in Mountain Time taped programming, you know, if it's at 9, 8 Central, that means 8 o'clock York in Mountain as well, which means everyone else has seen it. So it's, it's one of those things that I, I just think Central's fine. I'd say Mountain is better. Give me, I love, you know, basketball games tipping off at like 5 o'clock, 6 at the latest. Um, Central doesn't really help you a whole lot when you're trying to watch those West Coast games. And that's really where Central's biggest handicap and Achilles heel is. You want to watch a West Coast game, uh, Central Time's only going to buy you an hour. You just got to gut through it and, and stay up late for the old West Coast Conference or Pac-12 after dark. Uh, well, not for long, but <laughs> at least one more uh, one more offseason. But, but Matt does bring up a very interesting and, and important point in that Central Time, you don't have to deal with the math. And for the former broadcasting majors of the world, that's huge. Uh, it's, it's a well-known fact. Broadcasters and math does not go hand in hand. So I think that is a big point in favor of Central Time. Schick, are you the exception to the math rule? The Matt rule? No, no sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> to, to, no. The, to the I, to the math rule. <laughs> I am uh, no. I'm pretty. I'm pretty decent with uh, with math. The kids come to me for their homework stuff. Of course, they're teaching it in a different way now, which I'm not a huge fan of. But I can help them through the math. You know, ratios, percentages. Um, you know, when my son he just got a, a a note from his teacher. He's in seventh grade. Said, "Hey, you did the best in your percentages." a test out of everyone in the class and I feel like she should make that card out to me you know I feel very very privileged by that put it on your fridge uh Matt I want to get your thought <laughs> on on the UCLA gig and Nebraska fans yeah. were a little nervous about Tony White the carousel this late is really unheard of but the Saban retirement caused a lot of dominoes with the board of Bama and then of course fish to to Washington, and, and rosters were just not even raided, but just depleted. Kids went to the portal when the, there was a coaching change. And we were talking about the UCLA's hiring of, of Foster and just kind of the, the bombshell of, of Chip Kelly stepping down and taking a coordinator gig for less money under a guy he used to coach. So uh, – a thought on the UCLA gig as they enter into the Big Ten and then just an overall take on, you know, what, what Chip Kelly did. Well, first of all, I think Chip Kelly taking an offensive coordinator position, regardless of the school, and leaving UCLA as the head coach is like a manager at a restaurant becoming a waiter. And that tells you, everything you need to know about the job. Now, that's not to say you can't succeed. In fact, Chip Kelly did very well there at UCLA. did better than his, his predecessors. He was winning eight, nine games a year. Um, there wasn't a lot of substance to those wins, but he was getting it done. Um, the fact that Chip, Chip leaves that for Ohio State tells you a lot about Ohio State as well, but it was surprising. Um, it was surprising. I, I caught wind of it Friday morning when Bill O'Brien took the Boston College job and even said it on Big Ten Radio. I keep your eye out for Chip Kelly because this thing could be going down. And then he does. Um, he wasn't long for that UCLA job. Anytime you're interviewing for a few NFL jobs, you can't recruit to it anyway. So perhaps he didn't have many other options and knew he needed to leave. Um, and that's also why he gives his assistants an extra year or two and, and foster them for a couple of years on their contracts, and that was smart for Chip uh, and benevolent of Chip. Um, but the UCLA job, to me, is 
it's a great university with not a lot going for it on the football field right now. And a lot of that has to do with everything off of the field. Um, they just don't have NIL infrastructure right now. And that's where Deshaun Foster is going to have to step in. And his biggest thing is going to be the CEO. It's not going to be, yeah, you want to be able to manage your team and you get that fourth down calls, all that. You got to recruit talent, retain talent, and recruit fundraising. And that's what they're going to have to do. Um, the laws and regulations could change on that, but that's going to be where talent is, is won or lost and ultimately where games are won or lost. And um, I don't think Chip had the, the backing that he wanted. And, frankly, UCLA took the smart way out by hiring Deshaun Foster and the easy way out because you don't have to buy out any assistance. You get a coach on the cheap, and you get a coach that wants to be there. So they're kind of between the rock and a hard place uh, finding a coach, and hopefully Deshaun Foster can, can figure it out. But, if you're looking at tiers in the Big Ten, like tier four slash tier five in the Big Ten, and it's going to be hard to, to pile up wins in this league for UCLA in the near future, I think. Well, as you look at the, the tiers in the Big Ten, UCLA obviously near the bottom. But what are your thoughts on Ohio State with the addition of Chip Kelly? Because Michigan, a lot of change there. I know they, they hired internally, but you still lose Harbaugh. Ohio State, they've had a great program that's really just been unable to beat Michigan, and now you add Chip Kelly. Is, is Ohio State your team to beat in the Big Ten now? Yeah, I think they could be preseason number one. Um, maybe top maybe top three at the worst. Um, they do have a question at quarterback uh, in terms of who it's going to be or how good Will Howard's going to be if he is the guy. But there's a lot surrounding him. I am just, I've called them the most interesting team going into next season with all the, not only the players they got in the portal with the, you know, Quinshot Junkins or Caleb Downs or Julian Sain or Will Howard, but frankly, the guys that decided to stay, guys along the defensive front, JT Tui Moloel, Travion Henderson at running back, guys in the Proctor, guys in the back end on defense. This is a team, a Mecca Buka at wideout, a team that is going to have all of the pieces yet again and happening at a time where Michigan's in transition and Oregon's coming into a new conference. So, I think it's right there for Ohio State. I, I think within the next five years, this is a program that needs to, and I think will win a national championship. Um, the only question they got to figure out is can they can they get the quarterback and the offensive coordinator on the same page and and get rolling here. But I'm I'm really impressed with what Ohio State did, and I think with Jim Harbaugh leaving and a new head coach coming in at Michigan, um, and a lot of questions in other programs. I think Ohio State is is uh, in a prime position here. I know they've heard that before, but in a great spot to, to maybe take advantage of all that. Plus, oh yeah, by the way, they're the most talented team in the cup. You know, Matt, you look at Kelly and, and the quarterbacks that have worked for him. Does it seem like a pretty good fit with Will Howard, his skill set? Well, they've had different... Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about even a program like Ohio State is they've had different quarterbacks do a lot of different things. I was talking to and yes, I will name drop on signing day. Talked to Ryan Day, and we were talking to him about just his his quarterback room and what that looks like moving forward. And granted, this was days before he hired Chip Kelly, but you know, this isn't like a hey, we got to recruit the right kind of quarterback for whatever system we're going to run. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was different from J.T. Baird, who was different from Cardell Jones, from Braxton Miller to Justin Fields uh, to C.J. Stroud. Like they all have different skill sets. They're all very good athletes. Uh, Kyle McCord was a little bit different, and they still were a maybe fourth quarter drive away from perhaps playing for a national championship. So, 
Uh, I, I think Chip Kelly will be able to figure it out. The quarterback room is just loaded right now. I, I don't know. I'd say in the next 18 months, either Aaron Nolan or Julian Sane is going to be transferring out of Ohio State. That's a pretty good quarterback that will hit the market. I don't know how you keep them all happy with one football, but um, that's a good problem to have. And I think Will Howard is a is a fine quarterback. I don't know how much of an upgrade he is from Kyle McCord. I'd say a, a half a step up. Um, but at the same time, it looked like he was getting beat out by, by Avery Johnson at Kansas State uh, for the nice, new, briny, shiny, shiny, uh, shiny new object. So, um, but, but I think because of all the talent around him, I think Chip Kelly will be able to figure it out with Will. A few more minutes, Matt Schick continues with us on the other side. It's Hale Varsity on a Tuesday. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Matt Schick with us, uh, Sirius XM, Big Ten Radio, ESPN, and the Schick and Nick Show. Schick, we're, we're not far from spring ball with Nebraska. You mentioned Ohio State's probably most interesting to you. How interesting is Nebraska as you look at 2024? Fan duels out with win totals over the weekend, and they have Nebraska at 7.5 over under. Oh, I would I would probably take the under simply because they haven't hit the over of five and a half in years. So I think you know, I, give me six, give me seven. Um, anything more than that is is terrific. I think the the one thing that makes Nebraska really interesting is that when it comes to Bill Connolly, just did a. I'm sure you guys have talked about it, but in terms of the returning production mm-hmm. um, in the Big Ten, they're at the top. And that's very significant in this in this conference. Look at the schedule coming up. Um, you're at Ohio State. You avoid Michigan. Um, there, there are some opportunities there for this team to accrue some wins in the early going. So I I would still take the under. I'd probably lean towards six or seven wins simply because I don't know how much more talent they're going to have than the opposition. I think they might have better coaching than much of the opposition, but at the same time. These are coin flip games, and if you can win six and drop six, that's a good season in Nebraska nowadays considering where they've been the last six, seven years. So I would take the under. Well, Matt, you gotta you got to believe in the law of averages at some point. I think, I, and I don't have the stats pulled up, but if I remember correctly, I believe it's been eight consecutive years of Nebraska hitting the under on their win total. So at some point, the, it's, it's got to play right? right? I mean. <laughs> at some point, they got to lower the over-under. That's really <laughs> wow. That's a good point. This is a Vegas problem here. Let's make it six and a half. Let's make it five and a half. Like, at least give give Husker fans something to, to make money on and capitalize on. You know they're betting on their team and going over, and they keep hitting the under. This is not good. Vegas has got to wise up here. Yeah, right, uh, because they've, they've been hurt so often. <laughs> uh, you, you have uh, Ohio State and, and Oregon at 10.5 on the win totals, Michigan and Penn State at 9.5. You've got a log jam of 7.5 uh, over-unders, Nebraska, Iowa, Washington, SC, uh, Maryland. Uh, and then you have Whiskey kind of by itself there at 6.5 and, and then a ton at 5.5. At who's, a, who's a team that you're – mildly intrigued by that they could surprise either as newbies into the big 10 or old guard that makes a climb up. Well, I would, I would love to say Iowa, but I'm, they're not surprising anybody. Um, what was, I was over under they're right at seven. List? They're right at seven and a half with Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, I, 
Iowa feels like a, a simple overplay on that one, but I don't think that would surprise you. I mean, anyone who's like seven and a half, whether the six wins or nine wins, it's not really a, a surprise. In terms of intriguing teams, um, I, I'm actually – I'm actually interested in uh, in how Kurt Signetti's moxie plays in the Big Ten. <laughs> Indiana. Um, I talked to him. We talked to him last week, and I just said, "Where does this moxie and brashness come from?" And he goes, "Man, I've just been coaching so long. I just don't have a filter anymore. I just kind of give. You know, sometimes I'll tell people what they want to hear. I'm like, really, Kurt? I mean, even telling the crowd at basketball arena that Purdue and Michigan and Ohio state all suck. He's like, yeah, I did that. And it was not all, it was off the cuff. He didn't pre-plan that, but it's like, he's just got, he's won everywhere he's been. Right. So what is that? What does that look like in the big Ten? I don't know. I think, I think the real issue for if you're not tier one or tier two, and by tier one, it's Oregon, it's Ohio state, it's Michigan tier two. You got a Penn state, um, I don't know who else you'd put in Tier 2, Tier 3, maybe it's USC, it's Wisconsin. You know, if you're not in those top two or three tiers, how do you move up? How do you accrue those wins and move up in this in this huge conference? Like, what? it's one thing to finish third in the Big Ten West. It's another to finish ninth in the Big Ten. Like, what does that mean? And and how do you recruit to that? How do you move up? And what victim are you? You're, you're just at the mercy of the schedule, like you typically are, but especially if you're a middling program, like a like a Minnesota, like a Nebraska, like a like programs that have been trying to reach that next step. So I, I don't know if there's any surprises anymore. What does a surprise look like? Winning eight games instead of six? Like, you know, making the playoff is going to be the standard for programs, and unfortunately some of those programs, it's, it's unattainable on a consistent basis. How does it strike you that Minnesota's at four and a half wins? Obviously, it's not the same Minnesota squad they've had over the last couple of seasons, but four and a half still seems like such a low, low number for what PJ Fleck has built up there. Yeah, I haven't looked at their uh, at, at their schedule to see exactly why it would be that low. Um, I, I thought they'd do better this year than they did. I am interested, and we talked to PJ about this too on our on our uh, Big Ten Radio about Max Brosmer, who they loved when they got him in the portal. Very smart guy from New Hampshire, set some records there. He's moving up from FCS to FBS at Minnesota. What does that look like? Joe Rossi and, and replacing him at defensive coordinator becomes a huge, huge issue. So um, that, to me, is, is one of those that I, I could certainly see them winning anywhere from, from four to six games, maybe seven. That 11-win season from a few years ago just seems like a lifetime ago. And I think for programs like Minnesota – um, it's just going to be a it's just going to be a slog to get to that eight nine win plateau. Matt Schick with us, uh, Sirius XM, Big Ten Radio, ESPN, and the Schick and Nick Show. Schick, we'll let you out on this. How are you feeling? How are you hedging with uh, Nebraska basketball as they've got a handful of home games? We know what the road story's been. Do they change who they are, or are you still sweating on Selection Sunday? I am still. I feel like I'm on this island by myself, where I'm not completely sold that they have to win a road conference game to make it to the NCAA tournament. Like, you know, you lose. Say they lose to Indiana, Ohio State, and Michigan on the road. You beat Penn State, Minnesota, Rutgers at home, and you get a win. You have to win a game in the Big Ten tournament. I mean, you're at 21 wins. Like, is that is that 
good enough. I mean, right now, most bracketologists have them on the right side of the bubble. Um, I, I think certainly winning a road conference game takes a lot of the sweat off and allows you to dry some of it off. But you look at this conference, like put seven or eight teams in a hat. Um, you've got seven or eight teams that are you know, within a win or two of each other in conference play. No one's winning on the road. Um, you know, it's, it's not just a Nebraska thing. Uh, they might be one of the only ones that have a goose egg in it, but um, there's not a lot of winning that happens away from home. And so, you know, they've got some winnable conference games, but Ohio State looks pretty good. Um, you certainly don't want to go into the Big Ten tournament stumbling after a loss to Michigan. And I would, you know, if I'm, if I'm Nebraska, I'd be concerned looking at that Rutgers team that looks like it's been kind of hitting their stride. And they've got them in the penultimate game of the regular season. But I still think Nebraska finds a way to get into the NCAA tournament and uh, clean it up at home. Maybe they steal a road win. Maybe they don't. Uh, but I, I think they'll be on the right side of the bubble on Selection Sunday. Chick, we'll check in uh, as we get closer to March. Thanks uh, for a few minutes with us. You got it, guys. Anytime. Enjoy the weather. Got to love it. Uh, Matt Chick with us. Sirius XM, Big Ten Radio, ESPN. Schick and Nick show at uh, Schick underscore ESPN. Reminder about your friends and catch the excitement. The Supernovas uh, Pro Volleyball in Nebraska, in Omaha, CHI. Be a part of the experience. Be a part of the fun. And uh, be a part of a season ticket package or single game tickets. Supernovas.com. Log on today. Get your single game or season tickets right now with the Supernovas. Thank you.